Have you been convinced that scientists have proven the Earth is billions of years old? Have you been convinced that scientists have shown that carbon-14 can date fossils and rocks to be maybe even millions of years old? Well, if you have, we have a message for you today. I want to welcome you to Creation Training Radio and TV. I'm your host, Mike Riddle, the founder and president of Creation Training Initiative, where we train Christians how to speak and teach on biblical creation and apologetics. And to do this, we actually offer training courses. We come to your site and offer one day, even we even have a five-day Creation Apologetics Teachers College, which we offer. Well, today's topic is going to be on carbon-14. Now, scientists use a technique called radiometric dating to date the age of fossils and rocks. Now, one of these techniques is called carbon-14. It's also called C14 or radiocarbon. And we're going to focus on just that topic today. Now, contrary to popular belief, scientists cannot use carbon-14 for dating rocks to be millions or billions of years old. See, carbon-14 can only be used to date once-living things called organic material. So if you're under the belief they can use carbon-14 to date the age of the Earth, that is a false teaching or false belief. Now, our topics today will be on carbon-14. This will be part one of two on carbon-14. We'll have two sessions. Now, in this first part, we're going to focus on three different areas. Number one, what is carbon-14? Secondly, where does it come from? And third, how do scientists use it to date? And can it be used to determine the age of fossils and rocks? And how do they do this? Well, let's start with part one. What is carbon-14? Well, carbon is an atom, or what we call an element. There are many different types of atoms out there. So how do we determine what kind of atom from another kind of atom? How do we determine one atom from another? Well, first of all, we need to understand atoms are made up of smaller particles called protons, neutrons, and electrons. Now, it is the protons and neutrons that make up the core or the nucleus of an atom. So we're going to have a little physics lesson here. Protons and neutrons make up the core or the atomic weight of an atom. And it is the number of protons in an atom that determine the type of atom it is or the type of element it is. For example, all carbon atoms have six protons. All nitrogen atoms have seven protons. All oxygen atoms have eight protons. So it's the number of protons inside an atom that determine the type of element it is. So all carbon atoms have six protons. Now there are different forms of carbon that naturally occur out there. There is one called carbon-12. There's another one called carbon-13 and another one called carbon-14. Well, what's the difference between these three different kinds of carbon? Well, remember again, all carbon atoms have six protons. So it's the number of neutrons inside there that can vary. For example, carbon-12 has six protons and six neutrons. Hence, we call it carbon-12, where the atomic weight of carbon-12 is six protons, six neutrons, or 12. Carbon-13 has six protons, but seven neutrons. And carbon-14 has, again, six protons, but eight neutrons. Now, the only one we're going to focus on here in this session is carbon-14. 
We've just found out what an atom is and what carbon-14 is. But now in part two is, where does carbon-14 come from? Well, carbon-14 is actually not natural to our atmosphere. It gets produced into our atmosphere. Well, how does this happen? Well, first of all, our atmosphere is made up of mostly nitrogen and oxygen, and that is important for understanding how carbon-14 gets in our atmosphere. So we have nitrogen and oxygen, two most prominent gases in our atmosphere. And what happens is we have these tiny little highly energized particles coming down from outer space, bombarding our upper atmosphere. As they bombard our atmosphere, they collide with atoms. And when that happens, they can actually fragment an atom. So we have these fragments of atom floating around in the upper atmosphere going at high speeds. And we fragment these atoms, we have these free neutrons floating around in the upper atmosphere. So now we have atoms being blown apart. And when they connect with these nitrogen-14 atoms, when these neutrons, now that are floating around out there, very high speeds, connect with a nitrogen atom. Now remember, our atmosphere is made up mostly oxygen and nitrogen. Specifically, we're talking about N14. Now what does that mean, N14? Well, all nitrogen atoms have seven protons, in this case, seven neutrons, hence nitrogen-14 or N14. And one of these neutrons connects with a nitrogen-14 atom, we have a change. The nitrogen-14 atom will be changed into a carbon-14 atom. Well, how does that happen? What it is, it's a proton-neutron change. In other words, the nitrogen-14, which has seven protons, loses a proton and gains a neutron, which means now we have an atom that has six protons, which is characteristics of, characteristic of carbon, and eight neutrons, which makes it carbon-14. So what happens when the cosmic rays bombard the upper atmosphere, some of the nitrogen atoms in our upper atmosphere get converted or changed into carbon-14 atoms. And that's where the carbon-14 comes in our atmosphere. Now carbon. Carbon likes to combine with oxygen. And when we combine carbon and oxygen together, we get something called carbon dioxide. Now plants take in carbon dioxide, we eat it and we breathe it. Therefore, we all have carbon-14 in us. In other words, all living things have carbon-14 in them. So I have a serious question now. Do rocks eat or breathe? And the answer is no. Therefore, rocks really won't have carbon-14 in them. Therefore, we cannot use carbon-14 to date most rocks. So let's take an example here. You walk into a rock and fossil shop out there, maybe somewhere out there in the desert, and you see this rock up there, and they dated this rock to be 30 million years old. And you take it up to the counter, and you ask the person there, how do you know this rock is 30 million years old? And if they say, well, it was carbon-14 dated to be 30 million years old, you can start asking for a discount because they cannot use carbon-14 to date rocks. Now, so carbon-14 again can only be used to date once living things. Now carbon-14 is also what we call an unstable atom or unstable element. Now think about this now. Carbon-14 is unstable. We all have carbon-14 in us. Does that make us unstable? Well, again, the answer is no, not, not at all. 
Now, what do we mean by unstable? How can an atom be unstable? Well, it has a different number of protons and neutrons in there. And what we mean by unstable is this, that over time, the carbon-14 atom will radioactively decay into another element. Well, wait a minute now. We have carbon-14 in us, and it's radioactive. Does that mean we're going to glow at night? Well, not at all. We have very little of this in us here. So, carbon-14. So, carbon-14 over time will decay into another element. Well, what is that element it decays into? It's called nitrogen-14. So, now let's take a look at the full cycle. We start with the nitrogen atom. Some of those get converted or changed into carbon-14 atoms as a result of the cosmic rays. Then over time, the carbon-14 atom just changes back into the nitrogen atom where it started. Well, the question is, how long does it take that carbon-14 atom to change back into a nitrogen atom? That is a very important piece for understanding the dating process for carbon-14. Well, the scientists use something called half-life to determine this. In other words, how long does it take half the remaining carbon-14 to change or decay into nitrogen? And they measure that to be about 5,730 years. Now, we're not saying these scientists sit there for 5,730 years and wait for these carbon-14 atoms to change to nitrogen. What they do is they take a population of carbon-14 atoms, see how long it takes some of it to decay, then they do this experiment over and over again and they get a consistent answer. Then they extrapolate that back to how long would it take half of it to decay into nitrogen-14. And again, they estimate that to be 5,730 years. So there is some extrapolation involved here. But whether you're a creationist or evolutionist, we believe we're very accurate on this decay rate. So we have nitrogen atoms being changed into carbon-14 atoms, and the carbon-14 atoms over time will change back into nitrogen atoms. So I have another question here. Very important question that also will deal with the way we use carbon-14 for dating. When we die, do we continue to eat or breathe? And of course, the answer is no, we don't. Therefore, what does that mean now? That means once an organism dies, it is no longer taking in carbon-14 because you're not eating or breathing anymore. However, the carbon-14 that was already in the body continues to decay out. This is important now. Now the question is, how long will it take all that carbon-14 to decay out? This deals with the maximum dating age for carbon-14. And the scientists estimate that maximum dating age, the maximum time it would take for all the datable carbon-14 to decay out of a living of a once-living organism is about 80,000 years. That there sets the upper limit for carbon-14 dating right there. Now, that's the maximum limit. There will still be some carbon-14 residue in that organism, but it is so small we can't use it for dating. Now, what does this mean? Again, the maximum dating age is about 80,000 years, and most laboratories only equipped with equipment to maybe date it up to 60,000 years. So if you ask, how do you know this rock or this fossil is 2 million years old, they can't use carbon-14 for that. 
The maximum it can go is maybe 80,000 years. So based on this data, we can now draw some conclusions. For example, if we were to find a fossil and it had no carbon-14 in it, what could we assume? We'd have to assume it's older than 80,000 years. However, if we were to find a fossil and it still contained carbon-14 in it, what could we assume? Well, the assumption would have to be it's younger than 80,000 years. Because after about 80,000 years, all the carbon-14, all the datable carbon-14 has decayed out of that organism. Now again, we're not saying the age of the Earth is older than 80,000 years or is even 80,000 years. What the scientists do again is they take a population of carbon-14 atoms, see how long it takes some of it to decay. They do that over and over again, and that's good science, and they get the same answer. Then they take a look, extrapolate back how long would it take all the datable carbon-14 to decay out, and they estimate that to be about 80,000 years. So again, there's an extrapolation in there, but we believe they're quite accurate on that. So again, if we were to find a fossil, no carbon-14 in it, that would mean it's older than 80,000 years. But if it still has carbon-14 in it, then it is younger than 80,000 years. So now, let's use the information we've just learned to evaluate the evolutionary time scale. In other words, we're going to look at the geologic column. And the evolutionists divide this geologic column up into three main eras or time periods. At the very bottom, we have the Paleozoic time era, and the evolutionists date that going back to about 540 million years. And they call that the age of fish and invertebrate. Now, we know what fish are. Invertebrate are those creatures that do not have a backbone. So that's the Paleozoic. That's the very bottom there. Then they have the Mesozoic era, where they date that, evolutionists date that back to about 240 million years, and that's what they call the age of dinosaurs. Then we have the top layer called the Cenozoic, and they date that going back about 65 million years, and that's the age of mammals, which includes us humans. Now, let's take a look at what all this means. If we were to find a fossil in the Paleozoic time era, now again, that's the very bottom layer, going back about 540 million years, if we find a fossil in that geologic part of the column, should it contain any carbon-14? And the answer has to be no. It would be way too old to have any carbon-14. Remember, all the datable carbon-14 should decay out after about 80,000 years. Now, suppose we were to find a fossil in the middle layer, the Mesozoic era which the evolutionists again date back about 240 million years, the age of dinosaurs. Well, there should be no carbon-14 in that one. It's way too old. How about if we were to find a fossil in the Cenozoic, the top layer there, top layers? Should it contain any carbon-14? Well, in most all cases, no. Why? Because the Cenozoic goes back, according to evolution, about 65 million years. This fossil would have to be younger than 80,000 years to have any datable carbon-14 in it. <clears throat> now, what does this mean? Well, several years ago, 
a group of research scientists from the Institute for Creation Research decided to do some studies on radiometric dating, how they work, and the assumptions involved in these dating methods. Now, this group of research scientists, they consisted of physicists, geophysicists, atmospheric scientists, and geologists, well-credentialed scientists. And one of the studies they did was on carbon-14. In one of the studies, they used coal. Now, coal is organic, which means it comes from once living things. Now, evolutionists date coal to being millions to tens of millions of years old. Now, what this group of research scientists did, they took coal from 10 different locations all up and down the geologic time eras. And so this would not be a biased experiment. They took these coal samples to an evolutionist lab, one of their more credible labs for dating, best equipment. And they said, tell us what you find in the coal. And guess what they found in every sample of coal? Carbon-14. Now, what does that mean? What that means, folks, is that coal and where we found that coal cannot be millions of years old, but only thousands. This is not based on conjecture. This is not based on assumptions or a belief in one, one worldview or another. This is based on observable and repeatable science now, folks. That coal cannot be millions of years old, and where they found it cannot be millions of years old either. What a finding. But this group of scientists did not stop there. Next, they took diamond samples. Well, hold on, Mike. You said it can't be used to date rocks. Rocks aren't supposed to have carbon in them. Well, diamonds are a very special kind of stone. You see, diamonds are made up of pure carbon. That's how we get diamonds. Pure carbon forms, and we get diamonds. We have all forms of carbon in there, carbon 12, 13, and 14. Now, according to evolutionists, diamonds can be hundreds of millions to billions of years old. So should they contain any carbon-14? Absolutely not. Well, they took these diamonds to the same evolutionist lab. And guess what the evolutionists found in every diamond sample? Carbon-14. What does that mean? Those diamonds, and where we found those diamonds, cannot be millions of years old, but only thousands of years old. What does this now mean? It means that entire geologic column the evolutionists use for dating, ranging from all the way back to hundreds of millions of years, is false information. The observable and repeatable science clearly shows that whole column is really only thousands of years old, just as the Bible teaches exactly what a worldwide flood would do. Mix all those creatures together, all those fossils in there, would have been buried at the same time. Means that all point to one time period, not many different time errors ranging hundreds of millions of years. And just recently, dinosaur fossils and bones have been found. And what did they find in the dinosaur bones? Carbon-14, which means those dinosaurs cannot be millions of years old, folks. The scientific evidence now shows dinosaurs can only be thousands of years old, meaning, as the Bible teaches, 
they lived at the same time as people. Now, what does all this mean? Well, what it means is we can now draw two strong conclusions, very strong conclusions. Number one, the geologic column cannot be hundreds of millions of years old. And secondly, we can trust the Bible that in the beginning God created, and He did it in six literal days as His Word clearly teaches. He did not use evolution and millions of years of time. So the question now is, what are the evolutionists doing about this incredible data? Well, several things. Number one, you're not going to find it in the textbooks. Why not? Because the authors of the textbooks and the educational organizations have basically made a mandate that any scientific evidence that discredits evolution will not be allowed in the textbooks. It is called censorship. One of the greatest places of censorship in this country is called the public education system. It is no longer academic freedom. It is they will tell you what to believe. So the scientists, what are they doing about this? Number one, they're ignoring the information. They don't want to hear it. I talk to these scientists and say, I've never heard that. Where'd you get that information? Well, why aren't they hearing this? This has been out there for a dozen years. Or secondly, they simply claim the coal and diamonds we took to the lab were contaminated with carbon-14. Well, folks, this is supposed to be one of the best dating labs for evolution. If every sample we took them was contaminated, why is not every sample they use to, to get an old age also not contaminated? See, there's an inconsistency in their thinking. The scientific evidence clearly supports the geologic column is not millions, but only thousands. And to conclude this, let's go back to the Bible. Let's go to God's Word to give you the confidence that we can trust His Word. The Bible, in Romans 1, chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, tells us something very important here. And it reads this way. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who, get this now, suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. God has given us all the information. It is clearly seen. But as we said, some people choose to deliberately suppress the information. And that is what is happening in our public education system. They are deliberately suppressing the true scientific evidence so that our youth will believe in evolutionism. And then we read in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20. Paul is talking to Timothy. O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. Our youth are getting a lot of false knowledge in the school systems. But folks, they're not only getting it in the public education system. Unfortunately, they're getting it in some of our Christian universities and also in some churches. You see, Timothy was called to guard 
the truth against all false teachings. Shouldn't we as Christians take that responsibility also? Guard God's word against all false teachings? Or have we become so entrenched in apathy we no longer care about God's word and what he had to say? We're just going along with whatever the world teaches. Have we lost our passion for Jesus Christ? Are we willing to, as Paul told Timothy, guard God's word against all these false teachings? And finally again, Paul talking to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1-5, through 5, talks about exactly what is happening today in our education system. And it states, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up to themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Folks, that is a command to all of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ. We are to go against and bring down all things that adult themselves against the knowledge of God. Bring down all those strongholds and stand firm on God's Word and have our faith in Jesus Christ alone and not man's wisdom. Thank you and God bless you. If these lessons had been a blessing to you, you might consider financially supporting the Ministry of Creation Training Initiative. You can do this by going to our website, creationtraining.org. Again, that's creationtraining.org. Your tax-deductible donation of just $20, $50 or more a month, or a one-time gift of any amount will make you an education partner in building an army of Christian educators who can teach the biblical account of creation and train others to be able to defend their faith and be biblically faithful to God's word as it states in 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear.